Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Here we are, Father John, Nathan Goebel, and Ty Gilbert. And Ty had a comment from our last podcast. He kind of called Goebel out or something. So what was it again that you wanted to... From an earlier podcast. He misquoted Church Lady. It was from Linda Richmond, so it wasn't a... I did coffee talk, and coffee I, said, talk. I said that it was Church Lady. Rhode I am, Island. I am duly reproved. Duly approved. This is why we don't usually have listeners on the podcast, because, well, I mean, we all we love you listeners, but, uh, I mean, in the studio Goble, Goble loves you less, that's what he's trying to say. Yes. The uh, topic... Is an interesting one. We're getting into the heart of it quick, and it's uh, it is going to be kind of shooting from the hip, my good friend. All right, so let's go back to two p.m. on Saturday, two days ago. I had a wedding, Ty. I was the priest at a wedding in Evergreen, Fallen Away Catholic, Irish Catholics from Chicago. You know, you know how they are. Yeah. Love them. That's my roots, not Irish, but Chicago. And uh, and then the other side of the family was Fallen Away Mormons, and the maid of honor was. Uh, so they were drinking rum and cokes. Rum and cokes. Everybody was. And uh, well, because I mean, if they're falling away Catholics, well, well yeah, whatever. They they're not supposed to be drinking caffeine. So. Not, yeah, but the, the reason I'm telling you this is because the maid of honor, I found out a week before the wedding, was an old girlfriend of mine. So I had more conversations about priesthood, Awkward. celibacy, and father being called father, uh, more than like I think my entire life combined. It happened in about a 24 hour period. So it had me thinking about this notion of uh, fatherhood and celibacy. But we're not going to talk about celibacy because we've done that before. So I want to talk about fatherhood of the priest. And the title of this podcast is Just Call Me Father. Now, about an hour ago, we were walking around on the hill. And uh, our good friend Ty here is a uh, local at a place called The Sink. The Sink is this kind of bizarre boulder restaurant. It's a it's an institution is what it is. Oh, President Obama just went there last week. And uh, as I was – thank you. I haven't even gotten to the content yet. I did that for this Obama. supposed to be entertaining. Oh, okay. So we're sitting outside talking, and uh, I introduced myself as Father John. And uh, he goes, oh, isn't that a bit formal? Isn't that just a bit formal? Yeah. And uh, isn't this a bit awkward now that you said that? So when I walk around Boulder and I introduce myself as Father John, it comes across in two different ways. Hmm. Authoritarian and egocentric. It's kind of like I am such a big deal up the street that you need to call me by a title. I worked so hard for so many years, and I am so important to so many people that you will not say my name, John, but you will call me Father John, mm-hmm. and you will respect me. I drive a, I drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> people respect me, to quote Will Ferrell from the 90s. That's what they hear. I drive a Dodge Stratus. I drive a Dodge Stratus. People respect me. Yeah, that's what they hear, and that's what they think. And so we need to talk about this, because I saw another friend of mine from middle school back in the day, and uh, she is an uh, evangelical. And she just absolutely thought it was just the craziest thing ever that I would call myself father. So I thought this is probably a good topic to pick up and discuss uh, a little bit here because you're going to be father soon enough here, Father Father Goble, Father Nathan. I know. And uh, I go by Father John, and it's a very awkward thing. Maybe it's more awkward in Boulder because people just like literally have no idea what you're talking about mm-hmm. when you introduce yourself as that. So it's probably good to talk about for the sake of our Protestant brethren and our pagan friends here in Boulder, Colorado. Right. Okay, so Nathan Goble. We got to deal first with Jesus's command to call no one on earth father, Matthew twenty three nine. That's right. Right. You must call no one on earth your father, since you have only one father, and he is in heaven. How do you respond to that, Nathan Goble? 
uh, please don't make me answer this question because uh, <laughs> the uh, I actually have a story about this too. The uh, I was outside my apostle at Holy Ghost Denver, and it was right before my eight thirty mass and the seven o'clock mass had just got out. And this guy's walking across the street. I usually talk to this lady, Patty, uh, uh, before the eight thirty mass, and uh, I was talking to Patty, and, and this guy says, "Hey, uh, are you a priest?" Because of course, you know, I'm in my black and white. And I'm like, no, I'm not a priest. He's like, oh, I just got out of Mass, and the gospel was, uh, call no man on earth your father. Why do we call you guys fathers? And uh, I gave him my response, and he goes, yeah, I, I think that's a lot of crap. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sorry. And then he just kept walking. I'm like, nah, I'm not very good at this. Okay, so the first thing is that the magisterium has never specified a title for the priest. Okay, the title father has never been like laid out by the church in an authoritative way. Right, that's important to know. The title father is—we'll uh, go into kind of the history of this, but I want to go way back. Uh, first, deal with the uh, scripture, and then we'll talk about the early church, and then we'll talk about specifically the title father. Where does this come from? Why do we practice this? It's important to know this is a specific title in the English-speaking world, right? This yeah. Is do different. you know what they call him in Italian? Uh, Don. Don Massimo. Right, for, short for. Dominus. Dominus. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine uh, if you walked around Boulder going, call me Lord Farquaad. Lord Farquaad. (laughs) Yeah. So the Spanish is closer, uh, Padre. That's, you know, Father. And uh, I don't know, what do they call him in French? Pere? Something like that. P-E-R-E. Perrier. Perrier. (laughs) I have no idea. We don't know. The water, something like that. But... It's important to go back to the Old Test or to the New Testament first, and to realize that uh, okay, Jesus says this. He says, "Call no man on earth father." Does he literally mean we are not to call anyone father? You know, and that would include first biological fathers. So don't right. call your father dad. Don't call him father. Is that really what he's saying? And then should we apply the same thing to spiritual father? That's the first question. With that also comes call no man teacher. Right? He also says this. Right. Which also would mean call ma- no man doctor because the Latin word for doctor is teacher. It's the same word. Where we get doctor. Think about like Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor. Mm. So call no man father. Get rid of that title. Okay. Get rid of uh, teacher. Get rid of doctor. You think about the world and is, is Jesus really saying this? Is he really condemning these titles? That's the first question. But we're not talking about teaching and we're not talking about uh, doctors. We're talking about fatherhood. Now, Paul, St. Paul, this is the thing. We got to consider the New Testament in its fullness. Paul says, I do not write this to make you ashamed. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, but to admonish you as beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Jesus Christ through the gospel. Okay? So there's something about the office of teaching that's given to the apostles and to the bishops who are the successors that says there's some kind of spiritual fatherhood that's present. We cannot deny that in the New Testament. We have to consider that in the context of Jesus, and we have to say, what is he trying to say when he's condemning the Pharisees for the way that they're acting and for the way that they're taking on titles? Is he condemning the title, or is he condemning the the, the kind of the heart and the spiritual dimension around that? And I think we know, as Catholics, mm-hmm. we know the answer to this, right? And we don't want to take a lot of time with this because... It's pretty clear. In the New Testament, especially in Paul, we see spiritual fatherhood as something that exists. Okay? But in the first couple centuries, we're not calling these priests fathers, right? Right? We got a first century, they're not walking around in Roman college and they're being called Father John. That's right. right? That's okay. We're okay with that. But we have to know that uh, it does develop pretty early on. Third, fourth century, you start getting the name father applied to bishops. 
right? There's a connection between the fatherhood of God and the bishop, who is the kind of the father of the spiritual community, wherever mm-hmm. that is. So that's like third, fourth century. And then also in monasticism, they start referring to teachers and to kind of holy men and to monks as Abba. That's right. And right? the holy women as Amma. Amma, yeah. So as you know from St. Paul, we cry out Abba, Father. That's right. With the spirit. So so we're okay to say that clerics in the early church don't have uh, titles, but we see it developing very early on that this is not, though this is not something that's specific. Jesus doesn't say, hey, priest, this is how I want you to dress. This is what I want you to be called. It's going to change with cultural context and with different times. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? So as we move forward, right, we know Papa becomes the uh, Latinized form of uh, Abba, and that's like uh, 5th century. So by the time of Leo the Great, you have the Pope being called the Pope, hmm. which is from Papa, which is father or yeah. daddy, yeah. right? He's your daddy. And then into the medieval period, you start to take on uh, more titles, okay? So this is where it gets kind of interesting is because with the development of kind of feudalism and these different things, they take on these different titles. And this is where we get all the crazy stuff like Monsignor and Your Eminence and all these different things that are not biblically rooted, right? And the church kind of picks these things up. So these titles kind of come in, but in particular in England, we're talking about, um, this is medieval England, uh, Catholic priests are referred to as Sir, as Mister, as Doctor. There's all kinds of different things. But what's interesting is that the title Father in the English world emerges after the Reformation, all right, in England to distinguish priests, Catholic priests hmm. who are st- who are staying to the Church, and then the Anglican priests, those who had broken away. So that's kind of the origin in the English term. So we've got about 500 years of practice of this. This is what's interesting, though. Up until 200 and 300 years ago, even 100 years ago. Protestant pastors or Protestant ministers refer to themselves as father. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So only in the last really hundred years has that been removed. But it's interesting also that the title reverend, right? The reverend and the pastor, these two titles are actually, well, pastor is scripture rooted. Reverend is not, but they get taken in the Protestant world because they're genderless, Right. Reverend can be Mr., Reverend can be Mrs., yeah. Pastor can be Mr., Pastor can be Mrs. So they adopt new titles to articulate what was spiritual fatherhood, but is now kind of a spiritual governance. So when they condemn the, t- the phrase father, it's like you're still taking on this title, and this thing is still important. All right? I think it's interesting, even the crazier title is uh, primate. Primate, yeah. I'm like, eh. yeah, not so much. So the basic thing is, why what? Why does the title primate, why does the title father matter? And uh, I preached about this on Sunday. And so I didn't, I didn't give him the historical basis for uh, calling someone father, but I just said kind of this is why you need to do it. And this is what I told the people. I said, I grew up in a family um, where we had a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins and all this different stuff. And uh, it was, I remember being about 14 years old and being like, what do you mean Uncle Stan and Aunt Evelyn aren't related to us? And they're like, yeah. They have no relation whatsoever. Right. What do you mean Tia Ana is not related to us? Yeah. She's not related. You're not Mexican. Okay. Even though she's from Mexico. Oh, I didn't know this. Okay. So what I started to realize at age 14 or 15 was like, okay, my parents in some sense, just kind of common sense, brought these people into the family and they gave them a title to recognize the relationship. And this is what's beautiful. Uncle Stan and Aunt Evelyn, God rest their souls. They never had children. So my parents kind of brought them into the family so that they could kind of share in the childhood. What? Adopted. Adopted. They adopted. Exactly. Ty is giving a little. He's helping me out a little bit here. 
they adopt them into the family. Tia Anna never married, never had children. They bring her into the family and the title is a way of recognizing the relationship. Okay. So what I told them is I don't really get it when people get offended by the title father, right? Uh, a lot of my parishioners here, they just drop that. It's kind of the thing to do in, in Boulder, Colorado, because a, they've had a bad experience of authority, right? And they think he's just using this as like a power move. You will respect me. I drive a Dodge Stratus, right? That's kind of what comes to mind. So they think I'm going to do you a favor and drop the title and just call you John so that we can be on the same level because you're not better than me. Okay. I understand that. That's not what I'm trying to do. This is the interesting thing. Not a lot of, I don't think everybody does it because they've had a bad experience of authority. I think a lot of people drop the title father and don't call me father because they want to make a gesture of friendship, right? They want to say, Hey, we're cool. Like we're, we're friends now. Like I'm in, you know, I'll call you John. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and they do that as a sign of actually a friendship and a familiarity. So it's not always just people are angry and, and frustrated because they had a bad experience of authority and they think I'm on a power trip. A lot of times they think they're trying to do it because they want to just show a gesture of friendship. And this is what I said from the pulpit. And this is kind of interesting. I said, I got a lot of friends. I don't need more friends. What I need is a family. And I want that familial relationship because that's it, what is being expressed in my priesthood. And when you call me Father John, what you're saying is not, you're better than me. I respect you. The priesthood is not respected at all. Okay, in Boulder, Colorado, maybe in other places, here this is you don't nobody's going into the priesthood because it's just a, a very respectful thing to do. It's completely disrespected in the eyes of the world. So you're not going in it for respect. But when I hear the title father, what they're saying to me is you have a relationship with this family and it's one of spiritual fatherhood. And that means you better be praying for me every day. You better be spiritually carrying us, you better be interceding for us. And you better show up when things get bad. When people die, when we're sick in the hospitals, you better be there. And when things are good, when children are born and we baptize them, right? When my children are married and we bring them into the into the you know into their married life, you better be there. That's what I hear, right? And if I don't hear that title, there's literally no way of being reminded of my spiritual fatherhood in a day to day life. Mm -hmm. I know it exists, but the title is at the service of the reality. Right? The title is not something that stands in itself. And it's a very interesting and unique time to be a priest in the church because the title, it, it's, not a, it's not a term of respect. It's not an honor uh, in the eyes of the world to be a priest uh, as it was centuries ago, you know, in the Middle Ages or something like that. Um, and though there are kind of still some vestiges of that, for the most part, it, we're in a time of real freedom where when they call me father, I know what they're talking about. They're talking about my spiritual fatherhood and they're calling me into that. Right? I don't have a little child that's his existence says, you better lay down your life for me. Mm -hmm. And so when you call me father, you say, you better lay down your life for me. And you are a part of this family. And that's happened by the nature of our baptism through the sacramental life of the church and through my spousal life with the church. So how do you relate that to uh, identity and mission? Identity and mission. Because it, it would seem that you are consecrated. So you are set apart for the people of God as an icon of Jesus Christ affecting his ministry in in today's world and communicating to them the mysteries, the saving mysteries of the church. Um, but if it's just about the title, if it's just about identity, then, you know, it would seem that, you know, you wouldn't want to belittle a doctor who attains the title of doctor just so he can admire, you know, his business cards or right. something. But he's actually effecting 
the reality that he's bearing in his title. Right. So if he's a doctor or a teacher, he should be teaching and healing. What is what is the identity of fatherhood and what is the mission of fatherhood in the priesthood as you I mean you've experienced. And I think that's the that's the deeper thing, you know, is that the priest is not there there's been an argument in the church for about 40 years now. Is the priest and we talk about this a lot Nathan and I and the other guys uh, that were around we talk about this is the priest priesthood is it primarily functional or is it something we call ontological ontological being is it about the being something is it functional is it things that I do or is it ontological is it things that I am mm-hmm. and the priesthood is grounded in the ontological change right the change in my soul and my being that happens at ordination it's nothing I do right seminary is not a great time of preparation it's like a big graduation ceremony to be a priest you're just given this kind of unbelievable gift, complete change of your soul that then now reconfigures you to God in a different way. You're consecrated and you're called in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. And I stand in the person of Christ in the world to offer the mysteries to for the upbuilding of the church. That's my existence. That's why I exist. So if I'm in the person of Christ, what's the relationship with fatherhood with that? Well, what Jesus says, anyone who sees me sees the Father. Right? So mm-hmm. there's that profound unity between Christ and the Father. Jesus is the expression of the fatherhood of God in the world. And so if the priest is going to be in the person of Christ, then he is going to take on that expression, that father, that spiritual fatherhood that God has. And what you're saying in that is you're actually recognizing right, the relationship of Christ to the Father when you say this, this man is in the person of Christ and we call him Father. And again, it's a cultural context it's a certain time. It's not definitive, authoritatively given by the church to say you will call every priest father. But it's a beautiful expression of the basis of my life, right? Which is the ontological change that happened. Not just that I do a bunch of priestly things, but my whole being is that. I can never check that out. I can't uh, walk down the street and go to the sink and uh, check out my fatherhood, right? Not in the collar. Right, and uh, and that's the yeah. same with the collar. The collar is also a reminder of that. It's not; these things are um, profoundly fitting, but they're not essential in the sense that they're not given mm-hmm. in the deposit of, of faith. But we have to trust the motherhood of the church when she says, "This is a beautiful thing. We respect this, and this actually points to the deeper reality." Right. Yeah, I was having a conversation with one of our teachers the other day, and I was saying that sometimes whenever I'm driving my car, I got to be cognizant of the reality that I might be wearing my collar and. You know, if I'm late or I'm not satisfied with the way people in front of me are being as aggressive with the stoplights, you know, and I'm tailgating or something like that, and I don't realize, you know, that I'm wearing my collar, I could effect a different, um, I mean, people will look at you differently if you're tailgating them in a collar. Yeah. Uh, and they'll also look at you <laughs> differently, you know, if you're, um, you know, if you're, if you're just, you know, not paying attention and just kind of not keeping custody eyes. And I'm just sort of looking around or whatever. And right. if, if a girl sees me checking her out in her collar, <laughs> that that's going to say a lot more things than just, you know, you know, John Henry or something, you know, walking down, you know, Boulder Avenue or something. But this teacher said the most interesting thing. He said, uh, just because you put on uh, a wedding ring doesn't mean that it, that it, everything changes. Right. But he said, the reality is, that I am espoused to my bride. And this is a sign by which it's a constant reminder of my union and the reality that 
I am a husband and a father before anything else. Take away his wedding ring, and he's still a husband and a father. Right. If people don't call you father, you're still a father. But uh, there is a, there's an awkwardness that occurs when when people want to um, – they want to find a way in which to relate to you around that reality. You know, It'd be like somebody who doesn't know that somebody's married or whatever and sort of striking up casual conversation – but what they don't realize is it, it could come across to them flirtatious. Right. But if they're not wearing a wedding ring, well, what signal are they sending? Um, and a guy like Ty, single guy, you know, hanging out at the sink. He can spot that. He sees that, you know, that little metal band right away, and he says off limits. But without that, how's he going to know? He's going to be talking right. to people. And uh, so I think it's important. Now, here's the other thing. But you're also not going around saying, call me, call me, you know, my lord or call well, me, you know, father. Um, but that's your identity. Right. Um, and it's, and it's hard, uh, cause we don't walk around. We, we get these images of priests that they should just be walking around in their, in their like robes or something like yeah. that. Uh, if they just wore their chasubles, you know, in the marketplace or something. Well, uh, you gotta be in the world. Uh, and we need, we need to give people the constant reminder that, holy crap, I just, I just met a priest today. Yeah. You know, I would, I would hope that somebody would say that. You know, you're never going to believe this, but I saw a priest at the restaurant. You know. Now, here's where I'm going to say something a little provocative, and feel free to disagree with me on this. But I find that uh, it's important for me to always introduce myself as Father John, even if I'm not in clerics. But it's not important for me to really get after people if they do not receive that. So I see it as kind of like you say the, you say the title, you put it out there, and if they mock it, they mock it. If they disrespect it, if they drop it, they drop it. Now, a lot of priests will call people on it, and they'll check them on it real quick, and they'll say, no, I need you to call me Father John. Right. Now, that's fine, but I think you've got to be careful because when, if we start to really impose the title, it's going to just tap all the all the kind of authoritarian stuff. And we're living in a postmodern world which is built on the rejection of many things, one of which is authority, right? Absolute rejection that there is authority. And... In Colorado, everything's just so casual. No one has any titles. The doctors all say, hey, just call me Chris, call me Mike, whatever. You know, that's like verboten. You don't take a title because everything's just cool and casual now. Uh, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to reject authority. And so I guess my style is different than than just other priests in the sense of like, um, it's important for me that I say this. If you reject it, though, you're rejecting the fatherhood of God as it's being lived out in the church. And if you reject that, that's kind of not my problem. I, I can't take it personally, I guess is what I'm saying. If I personally appropriate the title too much to myself, then I'm going to start to get in trouble because I'm going to start to defend it as a, a, an honor, as a respect, as something that's due to me versus something who I am. And if it's rejected by the world, it's rejected. But mm -hmm. that might be a different style and it might just be cowardly. I don't know. But uh, it doesn't seem to me to be a battlefield to die on. And I see a lot of guys uh, dying on that one. So, Ty, thumb up. Ooh. Good. You like that? I have opinions on that. Good. Good. The, um, hmm. I think part of the reality that um, that many people don't experience is the intimate moment that takes place when you walk into a confessional, and it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, Father Victor uh, Mosley back at uh, U of I, he was like seventy-five, and uh, you know, not exactly the you know, not exactly a looker, you know. But a beautiful, beautiful man. 
and I knew him as my father. When I would walk into that confessional, or whenever I've gone to confession to you, he can't speak on this because, you know, it's in the seal. But um, but uh, um, when you walk into the confessional and you kneel down or you sit down and you say either, bless me, Father, or forgive me, Father, there's an understanding that this person isn't just another person. Like, I don't go to, you know, John's dad and say, you know, forgive me, Father Nepple, you know, you know, Father Daryl. Um, you know, I accidentally, you know, knocked over one of your lamps or something like that. But when I walk into the confessional, I'm making this, um, I'm affecting the reality that is present before me, that this person isn't a normal person, but he actually has the capacity to do something that no other father can. Right. A father can bring his son into life, and he does do that obviously through the cooperation of the mother, but a parent brings his child to life, but only the priest brings the soul to new life. And, I mean, a deacon can baptize, a lay person can baptize, but who can forgive sins? Once that, once that, once the reality of their um, sinlessness in baptism is lost through uh, sin, whether grave sin or mortal sin, only the priest can bring that person back to life. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a rebirth. It's a it's a new. It's a you are a new creation when you walk out of that confessional. So the priest actually affects fatherhood, spiritual fatherhood, by um, bringing a new soul into the into existence through the fatherhood of God. Obviously, right? Um, because apart from Jesus Christ, there is only one priesthood. So we're participating in the priesthood of Jesus. And going back to that quote about from Jesus from Matthew 23, there's only one fatherhood, but this is a participation yeah. in a unique way of the spiritual fatherhood uh, that is being lived out in the world. And I'll tell you, man, there is no, there's nothing more beautiful about the priestly life than the, the way that I feel like a father at the altar celebrating the Eucharist mm-hmm. and in the confessional. The rest of the time, I feel like a dude. I feel like a dude in priest clothes with a priest title walking on the hill. Okay, like seriously. But I know Okay, like seriously. seriously. Now but but if yeah. I didn't have confession, we have a lot of confession here, all right? It's beautiful. And if I didn't celebrate mass every day, if I got kind of into a status quo thing where we have like 26 minutes of confession once a week and I got I split, you know, six masses a week with my uh, assistant, it's like no wonder why the fatherhood the experience of fatherhood starts to slip away. Why would any day pass where I'm not hearing confessions and offering the Eucharist? That's the my existence. That's why I. That's what I am. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, but without that, the, if I'm just walking around in the world, it's going to get real weird, weird, really weird, really fast. Right. But then, I mean, how do we keep the distinction that we talked about before between ontology and action, where it's like I'm only a priest. If I'm able to act that way, and I'm not, I'm not saying you're saying that. I think, I think one of the one of the realities is um, somebody like uh, Father Chizek, uh, this priest that was in a, a Siberian work camp, or um, Cardinal Van Tuan, who was in a prison in Vietnam. Um, he was still a priest. They were still priests, even though they weren't able to exercise their priestly ministry. And yet, the conversion that happened around them was because people realized this person is different. Right. They engage in reality differently. Um and and I think that there's a beautiful quote from Flannery O'Connor uh when she when she wrote um 
uh, to a young priest. Have you heard about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, she wrote in his card, um, turn everything upside down. So, like, that's what the priest does. All of reality is based on this sort of, you know, uh, we we work, we, you know, make money, we do whatever. Um, I mean, all of external reality. And yet the priest is called to sort of subvert, mm, invert that, uh, so that it's all offered back to the Father. Um, and there's a way in which the priest, just through his through his presence, imbalances people. Because they realize they're encountering someone who has experienced the divine. Right. So when I when we met those guys on the hill, it was just like, what's, what's your name again, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and it is really awkward. And it's a lot easier to just drop the collar, drop the title. It really is. Yeah. But I don't think it's better. I really don't. Now, uh, with what you said about the sacraments, I think it's important to know the actions of the priest follow from his being. Mm-hmm. So those were exceptional holy, holy men who didn't have the opportunity to, to live out the actions of the priestly life. But that's not to say that there isn't a functional dimension. It just has to be rooted in the ontological. I think that, I just wanted to kind of say that. But it does. It, it does invert everything. I remember walking downtown Denver one time in the collar. I was in seminary, and uh, I had a bunch of coll- or, uh, high school kids and we were doing a kind of a pilgrimage to these different churches. It was Holy Thursday. Were you there? You're mm-hmm. nodding your head. And uh, this this black guy walks up, and he's got this stereo over his shoulder. And he's trying to sell it to these girls. And he's, like, in their face trying to sell them this, this stereo. And I walk right up to him, and I'm like, hey, man, it's easy. We're not going to buy this thing. And he's like, he's like, man, just $20. Just $20. And he looks, and he sees the collar. And he's like, oh, man, you're a pastor. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't steal it. I didn't steal it. He's like, I did steal it. I'm sorry. And he's just like, just take it. And I was like, I don't want it. I don't want it. But it, it was just like this automatic inversion of everything um, just by seeing the collar and just by hearing the title. Um, but it's a, it's a crazy, it's a crazy experience. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's so important. It's so important. And it's sad to watch Christians uh, give in like that girl I was talking to at the wedding reception. What they're doing, they think they're using scripture in an authentic way, but what they're actually doing is they're justifying with scripture the the postmodern cultural world that we're living in. You're just rejecting authority like everybody else. You're just throwing off titles like everyone else, right? She didn't even like the term Protestant. I was doing that just to kind of tick her off. I kept calling her Protestant. But um, no titles, no nothing, no church. It's just me. And that's exactly what postmodern pagans are doing, and that's what you're becoming, and you're using Scripture to justify that because you don't know the tradition and you don't have uh, a mother in the church. So... Hmm. Slow start, rough start with the historical stuff, some hopefully some decent content. Well done. Well, I think that's it. We have no emails. Lord Nepple, you have done well. Call me, my lord. That's about it. All right. We're uh, back at it with Nathan next time. That's What's right. the topic next one? Well, you'll have to tune in and listen. You have to tune in and listen. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. We always appreciate your emails and hearing from you. So, um, that's it. That's it. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Laters. <laughs>